0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode number 11 of Data Unplugged. Today I have André Schaar from Veve Healthcare with me today. André, thank you very much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Right. As per usual at the beginning, uh, I always like the guests to quickly introduce themselves. So André, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are?
1: Well, <laughs> you're starting off with a very, very philosophical question here. Um no, I'm I'm Andre. Um, living in Munich, working for Vive Healthcare. Um, and to say it short, I'm a digital person. So basically, I've no. I wanted to say I've, I've been born and raised, but born and raised is, is maybe maybe wrong in that case. But been raised or, or grew up in in the digital age. Um, working with digital um solutions. Um learning how to use digital to solve problems. And that's basically what I do. Um, so I could, I could, if you ask me, I, I could maybe proudly say that I'm, I'm, I'm doing things that I like um, all day long, um, which is, which is solving okay. problems by using digital, digital ways of working, digital solutions, software, whatever. And that probably sounds like I'm really making it
0: up and and um <laughs> lying here. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, if if there is uh, one common thing that I see in the data world, especially when I speak with people um, for the podcast, is that all of them have a, have a real big passion for data. Maybe I just picked the right people for the podcast, but it seems that all of you really do have a big passion for it. And that's why we're here, right? Yeah. Um, cool. Then in, in terms of Viv uh, Healthcare, um, it would be interesting uh, to understand a little bit also what, what your role really is, because it's not like a super traditional role. Obviously, you and I have had a discussion before, but I think it would be interesting to just outline your position at with
1: Yeah, my role within within Viv at the moment is called business relationship director, um, meaning that I'm res- in no business relationship director in data and analytics i'm trying to make it simple but um in data and analytics meaning that i'm part of the global data and analytics team and within that responsible for the relationship or, or responsible for dealing um with um the markets and and keeping up the relationship with them understanding the problems um just being the connector between the global data and analytics team and the markets um when when i say markets my main markets are the eu markets so Bigger markets, everyone's usually talking about, um, and I also at the moment take care of uh, the international markets that we have as well. Um, okay,
0: yeah. in In terms of uh, in terms of the purpose of your role, what is the exact purpose of your role? Because it's 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 a rare one that I that I hear your your type of position. So, what was the thinking behind it when when you defined the role?
1: I would I would see the role as kind of a translator. Between between the markets and the um, the and the global data and analytics team, because um, if you look at the global data, or, I mean, if you look at data and analytics team teams, people that you have in there are usually data engineers. You have software engineers in there. You have um, other kinds of developers in there. You have um, analysts and um, and data scientists in there, um, but they are usually not saying that they're that they don't know how to deal with markets. Don't get me wrong, um, or how to deal with the business. But um, they are usually trained to deal with data, and they they have a data data driven language, a very 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 um could call it scientific or technology related language. Mm. Um, while markets and specifically when you're talking about pharma markets, markets are usually the spearhead of what we're doing. So they they are the ones. Um, promoting our products to um, the not end users, but to the to the 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 the, the customers in the markets. Um, so their role is promoting the um, the the, the products, while the role of um, our more more scientific, more techie people is developing things, driving that forward, taking care of the data. Both are two totally different worlds. I'm speaking two Hmm. totally different languages. That's why Hmm. my role in between um, is basically translating between both.
0: Yeah, I think um, roles like this become more and more important, right? Either having, I remember um, when I used to write the blog about analytics engineering versus the BI developer, right? When analytics engineering is starting, becoming a bit bigger, and and, um, a guy called Pierre, he's not a wafer. Um, He was, he was telling me about this red person and this blue person, (laughs) uh, which was quite funny because he was saying one person was more the technical side of things. And one person was more the business side of things. And um, now, now you kind of need like the purple person. Right. Uh, And I guess you you guys are still a little bit separate, right. With you being the red person, right. The the more business oriented person with with your techies, data people, more the the, the blue person. Um, It's quite interesting though, that, it's still a massive necessity, right? It just comes in different forms. But um, I think from, from what I'm seeing is the organizations that understand that, that the business problem really needs to be captured and understood. They're the ones that usually perform best in the data space. They perform really well. It's super interesting to see that uh, what kind of setup you guys have. Now, when 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 we look at this role, right, it can be quite tricky, right? You need to listen to the market. Obviously, your data people want to create certain stuff or have certain ideas, and then certain things can be developed. So in terms of challenges, really, in your positions, like, help me understand um, what, what keeps you up at night. <laughs> a lot of things keep me up at night. Um, <laughs> I, <I'm, laughs>
1: I mean, there's, there's one, one funny thing. <clears throat> I, I, actually, I, I really, I, I'm starting to hate ChatGPT as a buzzword. But I think ChatGPT mm. um is an amazing example at the moment that you can that you can yet we could talk about or that we could bring up in that in that in that area, which is it's not pharma related but like usually you see a lot of. So there's that blue mm. person probably saying, "Well, it's nothing new. Um, it's just it's just the same stuff we always had. It's just you're just adding an interface to it." So it's, it's nothing nothing really new. And and you're basically training it with, uh, it is basically trained with a lot of data in the back. Um, that's how the blue person would deconstruct that. And it would more see like how that AI kind of thing is set up, how that is dealing with the data, how that is processing the data, all that stuff. While um, the red person, they have heard about AI before, but before ChatGPT came up, um, AI was something strange for them. So they, they didn't know how to deal with it, what that really is. It sounded like something something really like from the future and whatever. Um, now it has an interface. It's easy to use. So it's more like, oh, that's AI. It's cool. Um, I want AI. I, I want ChatGPT for my business, um, which is totally understandable. But then if you take that back to to the, to the blue person, the blue person would, would – probably be interested in setting up setting up something like or taking something from open AI, setting up an AI solution or just using that. Or you could even like you could make, make, make it more complicated, but like I would add on that. Um, the, the, the red person would immediately be disappointed with what, what they get from the blue person. Because you, you, you set up that AI solution and it's not trained. It's not you have you have a nice interface. You it's based on the open AI backend, basically, but it's not trained mm-hmm. with the right data. So you ask asking questions, and it's not able to answer your business questions. Just because it doesn't know. It's about hallucinating.
0: Problem. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So the biggest problem is making sure that you build products that, that actually hit what the market wants. Yeah. No. Uh, okay. I thought so. I, I think it's, it's a bit of a challenge, right? Um, but I, I guess that's where your position comes in, right? Making sure that. Um, the information gets gets translated from, from a business perspective to, to a technical perspective properly. And then still now, making sure you um, don't disappoint people. That sounds uh, a lot like recruitment. Uh, sometimes <laughs> we get asked to find uh, a purple unicorn uh, on two legs yeah. right um, that just doesn't exist yet or doesn't exist in the era and it's, it's important to set expectations i absolutely agree uh, let me ask like how do you how do you manage those challenges right how do you make sure that both parties a communicate what they want and what is possible properly and that both parties hopefully don't end up disappointed right the the the, the more business side of things gets the product they want and the technical guys actually develop something that's fun, right? Not something super basic um, because they want to get challenged as well, right? So how do you, how do you balance those two sides?
1: Yeah. I'm seeing that it, it works with the tech people because if you have the right people on the tech side, they do want to understand the, the, why they are doing stuff. Um, mm-hmm. and right. On the same... Yeah, as, as well, people on the business side sometimes like to get that like, techie nerdy thing because it, it, it like yeah, it's it's intriguing for them as well to get a, a glimpse of what's really happening in the back.
0: Yeah. yeah, look, I, I would probably agree with everything you just said with the direct and, and clear communication, but. I think you have a special challenge there as well, right? Because I remember in one of our conversations, you were telling me that you work with, what, uh, 10, 11, 12 markets, something like that, across Europe. So there is a lot of differences, right, between the countries, between the people, between the mindsets, the way you speak, like cultural stuff. How do you manage that? Because I'm sure you're not the only global person taking care of, of global products. So I'm sure people would be interested, like, what kind of solutions you have to manage different cultures, different mindsets, different ways of working? You know.
1: Yes, they are totally different, um, which doesn't always make it easy. Um, because difference in that case, cu- cultural. I mean, there's there's the cultural difference, and I can can come back to that in a in, in a second. But also a data data difference. Um, also data liter- literacy difference. So, um, how they understand data things. Also, what kind of people they have on their side um so yes it's it's absolutely not easy um, but um it's i would still say it's it's fun it's a challenge but it is fun because um it's kind of coming back to that agile thing again no, I <laughs> you see i don't i don't like these buzzwords but like it's 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 really it's really kind of fun because um you can also see that as twelve different market different markets coming up with different ideas different solutions to the same business problems because the the the, the problems are basically kind of similar, um mm-hmm. slightly different market per market but in the end that you underlying the the biggest problems are kind of similar, um but they I mean you you yeah. You you have a big bunch or a, a huge bunch of people in different markets, um, a lot of brains thinking about the same stuff. Um and if you if you manage to handle that and bring that together and use that to your advantage, um well,
0: yeah, that's fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was thinking like it must be a super challenging, but it's also good to see that that you see some Some silver lining, right? You've got more people, more brains coming together, uh, more different uh, ways and and approaches to to similar solutions, uh, right? I think think the right word here would probably be diversity of thinking, diversity of culture, right? Different approaches. Um, That's fantastic to see as well, right? I think diversity is definitely a big driver in a company, right? Um, Absolutely. Now... In terms of, in terms of your, your three main challenges, I think that would be something interesting as well in your role, right? What do you feel like are your, your main main issues, challenges, whatever you want to call it, your main three Mount Everests?
1: Yeah, biggest thing, lack of time. And slightly behind that, we, we, could, we could say um, it is, it is um, probably the data quality, um, which is always an issue um as said, i mean talking about 12 markets you have 12 different kind of setups and ways of doing things mm-hmm. um as said, i mean the markets they they own their stuff and their their universe and how they how they market to their to their customers um which means they also basically create their kind of data in a, sometimes slightly different ways and bringing that together in the end and 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 and, and, and like let's say normalizing that um for something that we can then use for a global product is not easy.
0: Mm. There's one thing that I was also on, like obviously you, you mentioned one of the things uh, was um, the data standards. As I was thinking like uh, across markets, it, it might be quite difficult, but another thing that I was wondering is, is because that, that's still a problem, especially in the data product space, uh, data literacy. Yeah. Right. There's different levels. How is it, it at Veve Healthcare? Is that like a bit of a headache for you or is that really a problem for you guys?
1: Funny thing, um, if if you're thinking further and if, if we're coming back to what we, the chat GPT stuff we talked about in the in the beginning, um, I mean, the markets would probably not understand what is necessary to build and ai solutions like uh, solution like chat gpt for their business so in, if you see if you define data literacy as that mm. no we are we, mm. not there. we will probably not get there and i would i would not ask markets to get there i said i think business problem solution for that
0: mm. right fair enough that's a good take uh, or an interesting take but when it comes about increasing the the data understanding, right? What data they collect, how they collect it, uh, like how they input it in certain systems. Is it not a bit of a goal or an interest of you to, to increase that? It is,
1: it is. Yeah, you're right. But my experience with that is you need to give something back, um, which has always been a challenge for me over the last years. Like how, what do you give back to someone that you ask to enter, enter data into a system? so if they if they don't see an, a reason for that why should they do that um, which is like yeah probably often the, the biggest issue i mean that's but the biggest problem is they need to enter data into into a system but i, I would say yeah you need to you you also need to pay something for that so you need to give something mm-hmm. back you need to increase their um, their understanding of why they are doing that um but also make it easy for them um which is which is right a right.
0: challenge in itself that I heard very very uh, very very much um make it easy for them right don't, don't' don't make their life so so difficult, but in terms of I would be interested in what your approach is right you you you're saying that obviously there needs to be a certain level of of compensation for them doing a do- job a certain way yeah. and differently right there's an importance for your data people they might not fully see that what is your approach to get them to you know, pull on the same string, basically.
1: Trying to think of an of an example. Um, I think one. And let me know if I'm going too deep into details here, and if that's not not clear to 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 the listeners. Um, but one thing that I've I've seen over the years, for example, is is objections coming back from, from uh, discussions with our, our customers, our, our, our doctors out there. Meaning sales reps, they, they see a doctor, um, they talk about the product with the doctor, and the doctor has an answer to that. So simply they, they could ask the doctor, well, why are, why are you not prescribing our product? Uh, why are you prescribing the product of a competitor? Um, in a very, very simple way. The doctor comes up with an answer to that, which might be a, a ton of different things. Um, that answer can be documented when they when they enter the, their their call, which it's called a call. They're, when they enter their, their meeting with the doctor into the system, so when they report that back into into our CRM, mm-hmm. um, and that. Has been a big pain in the ass for me over over, over, over the last years because the simple the simple way of how products um and 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 all the call documentation interface was set up was a, a new product was launched um a list of these different objections that could come up was created in the very beginning um and then entered mm-hmm. into the system and then then it stayed in the system and no one t- no one ever touched it. So let's say over two three years, the product evolves, the things evolve, the discussions evolve, um, but you're still, you're still coming, you're used, or sales reps, um, they still have the, the objections that have been entered two years ago, three years ago um, into the system, which don't apply to, to their discussions that they have at the moment. Um, no one ever cared about it because no one looked at the data. Um, what we did is we brought that data up. So we discussed it several times. It was very, very very long discussions. But in the end, we brought that data up. So we made that data usable um, for the customers. We, we created dashboards where that came up and then led to discussions. So you're, you're simply visualizing that no one's documenting that, um, which raises questions on the business side. They ask questions. Why? Why are you not? Are you not entering that? Then you look at the interface. It's like, well, if, actually, yeah, I can understand why you're not entering. You're not entering or documenting objections because these objections just don't fit your discussions. So you need to change that. Then you up, update that. Then you see the data coming in, and suddenly you, you're getting into discussions around why. Well, why are we seeing 80% of customers coming up with that specific objection? Maybe we need to do something about that, and then you change the whole way of working with that, dealing with that. So yes, um, that's what how I see it, how I basically see it. I mean, you need to make it visible and usable first, um, and then let them let them use it, understand it, understand what 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 they can do with it. And I mean, now we have that in different dashboards. We have that in our Next Best Action um, tool as as an option, so you can suggest. Um, follow up actions to a sales rep for example if a doctor says something specific um, so yeah um, but you need to start at some point and it, I think it took me three or four years
0: I think four years to get to that point but do you think then because that, that's super interesting right uh, especially this uh, suggestion for sales people right um, I assume you probably analyze data sets and, and what um, what objection could come up right uh, across a million data sets do you think that maybe the sales rep started using it a bit more because the responses that they got in terms of how to handle the objections increased their sales quota? Or do you think now that that happened and then it was a result of it? Or was that it started happening and then people started using the data or like being more conscious about the data, which came first the egg or the chicken? <laughs>
1: something I learned as well over the years you, 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 you will probably end up with a bunch of sales reps um, who are mainly incentive driven um,
0: mm-hmm. so they
1: are mainly looking for opportunities to increase their quota to to, um, to get more money out of it um, which is not basically nothing bad which is
0: mm-hmm.
1: what we're all looking at um, and yeah and then, then, then there are others who are just like thinking about the next discussion with their, with their HCP uh, or with their doctor and um, do not know what to, what to talk about. And then they welcome any suggestion um, topic wise. Um, and even if that's just a reminder that last time you talked about that topic and um, he had these questions or these follow-up answers to that. So maybe this time you could try something else. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there's a uh, the business That, that side is well.
0: super interesting. Yeah. That is super interesting. Because at the end of the day, if we break it down, um it's still serving personal needs. Yeah. Right? It being it money driven, being it not wanting to look bad in front of a customer, uh, being wanting to do your job better. Um and data can help with that. It's lovely to see. Now, let, let, let me ask a bit uh in, in deeper because um the the products that you build they're very customer facing, right? Or they're being used Internally, for example, sales reps to then perform better with customers, right? It's a constant interaction. So the, the data prox, uh, products that you build, how do you make sure that um, they meet the needs, wants, wishes of the business unit and actually create a business impact?
1: So if we think about that NBA, so Next Best Action Solution, for example, that's something we developed with a small group of, Key users across the markets for three years, so we started with one market, we built the pilot um we um, extended the pilot to um to one or two additional markets, increased to five markets, increased to nine markets, increased to twelve markets um and then always had feedback cycles um with each market mm. um, for them to also like let us know new features, new things that they would like to like to have in there. Because you can, you, I mean, can, you can, can always make suggestions based on on your best guess, your understanding of business things, what business needs needs make. Mm-hmm. But um, I think I think it was more fun doing that, doing that with the markets, with the market users, with the people in
0: there, um, mm-hmm. and having them feedback, like things. So. Yeah. Question then in between, like that's cool, right? Because uh, you should, uh, when you build a product, you should listen to your customer, right? right. Whoever that may be, right? Internal stakeholders. And I absolutely agree, right? Uh, it would be silly not to listen to your customers. <laughs> they buy the product, use the product. But who comes up with those product ideas, right? Those data products. Is it like, you guys brainstorm in a data team, say, hey, cool, we can do this cool stuff, right? There's new advancements. We can use ChatGBT and somehow build that in. Or do the business units come to you and say, hey, man, it would be fantastic if we can do, if I have a tool that tells me the next best action. <laughs> how, how does that work at VF Healthcare? Like, who comes up with the ideas? Is it a bit of a back and forth? or It's a bit of both, but
1: I think the best things that I've seen came from the markets directly um
0: mm-hmm. but Sweet. still cool. then
1: it's I mine mean, that's that's what my role is made for um still then you need to deconstruct the requests um i mean that the project that we're currently working on that is something that um came up last year as um so what what we asked the question to to the market so what, what what would you need what you what what would really solve your problems the um the the answer was um can you can you give us an Amazon Alexa for our sales reps? Which basically means, I mean, coming back to ChatGPT, it basically means something something like that. So can you can you give us something like that? And that is a very that's that's a usual question that we get, um, but that's okay. a very unspecific question. Um, and then, then and then you really the, the idea basically is good um, for for that market. Um, interestingly enough, I know something like that failed about two years ago (laughs) because I built it for them. Okay. Um, (laughs) but yeah, um, different, different thing, but yeah. Um, so, and and then that's where my role basically starts. So you start deconstructing that, going back to them, Mm. asking what it actually is that, that they need, what, what are their pains, issues at the moment that you're trying to solve with that. So basically asking why they want that, what they want that for. What's behind that? What is their current challenge? Um, and then taking it from there.
0: Um, yeah. 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 Love that. Well, you, you got to stay tuned because um, I actually have someone coming on the podcast in a few weeks uh, for voice assistance. They're building voice assistance. Yeah. Um, so maybe you can listen to that. Maybe you get some ideas. She's a specialist in an LP. Uh, that might be That might be of interest. Uh, that's why I was laughing uh, earlier because mm-hmm. I had a discussion with her and that it's not that easy to build those things. Yeah. It's not. Uh, But yeah, uh, stay tuned. I'll definitely share the episode with you as soon as we we recorded it. Um, (laughs) Maybe there will be a couple of nuggets for you. Uh, Cool. Now, uh, one thing that is always uh, a bit of a uh, question mark or a bit of a thing, um, the responsibility for the data quality, right? Especially (laughs) across so many markets, right? We're not just talking about, hey, we we just start some analytics and marketing and then we like we're a startup, 10 marketing people or five marketing people, easy to control, right? Easy to make sure everything is in line. How the hell do you do that across different countries, 12 markets, across so many people? Making sure that the data quality is high because let's be honest, without it, you might even give your sales rep wrong and next best actions to take, right? (laughs) Right? That would cost them money. So who is responsible for that and how do you make sure that data quality is, is on a high level so that it can be used? I can at the moment tell
1: you from from the markets that I have. There's there's just three or four where I would where I would trust the data. For all the others, um, we need to <laughs> we need to discuss um, what, depending mm. on 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 what we're trying to do. So not everything is possible um, across every every market or across all the markets. Um, how? ever. Um taking it back to it might sound too easy. Um taking it back to back to what I said earlier. It's like you can start or like w- what what worked pretty well for me is you if you start visualizing things and then work with them with, with the users on improving it. Because um, mm-hmm. what usually doesn't really work is to increase data quality and the data volume first before you then build something and tell them um, what they get out of it, basically. So you're not, you're. I mean, you, you're asking someone to, to deliver, deliver something to you without paying them. And you can also, you can only pay lot, about six months, nine months, 12 months later. Um, why should that person give you something? It's, it's, it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So you need that. You need to combine that somehow. Um, and that, that is basically what, what seems to work quite okay at the moment it yes it means that it means slowing things down because you cannot be as quick as mm, you want to okay. be but um it, it in the end you drive data quality and your product at the same time um so you give you give something you you visualize basically what what is available at the moment you give them a reason mm-hmm. to to um to enter something in different way, in, in a better way, enter more information because then they then they immediately see what what comes out of it. Um,
0: and then, what benefits them basically? Yep. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. There, there is another because it's fairly common that companies like yours, um, and it's well known, right? And it's it's not a crazy practice is to buy data. Uh, right. Um, how does how does that come into play? for for you guys because it can also be like we got to be careful right with data governance and all this stuff it could be personal data that that could be involved here as well um what kind of situation does that create with healthcare um
1: well i mean yes looking looking at the data landscape we have we have all kinds of different data i mean you have you have you have you 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 buy the data so we're talking about HCP data, for example, or a doctor's data, for example. Yes, that is something that you buy. I mean, otherwise, yeah. you 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 would not want the sales rep to enter every bit and piece of the doctor's address and and um and um phone numbers yeah. and everything into into the CRM. Um, that's just no fun for them. Um. So yes, that's something that you buy. Um, but still, meaning, I mean, in that case, it's party like it's it's data from a third party and then then you're running into the into compliance issues because you're like reusing that sharing that with with partners with um agencies you're working with um you're um even even sharing that from like or buying that on the market level and then sharing that with the global team i can i can tell you that that can cause issues um so that that discussion is always like yeah like it it needs to happen but it's not fun um so yes, that yeah. that's, that happens definitely. Also buying market share data, for example, um, so sales data. How uh, because you want to want to have your competitive volumes in there as well. Um, so yes, that's something that you buy as well, and it's the same. It's coming from a third party or with EU legislation. Um, you need to be careful with that, um, which makes it sometimes complicated dealing with that in in our solutions and our products. Yes, um, but that is that is. Something you can, I mean, yes. I mean, as I said, the easy, easiest thing is you you buy that. Um, you have to deal with the compliance stuff. Yes, but then you, once you you have solved that, I mean, you can basically work with the data, trust the data, whatever. Everything else, which is usage data, and talking about next best action, for example, again, um, that mainly builds on what happened before. So data that, um, that is captured by by our. Um, our sales reps, our people, um, day by day, um, which is our own data. Um, mm. But what did I want to say? I forgot about it. Um, no, but which is our own data. But but then I mean, um, that needs to be built on our side and stored on our side, managed on our side as well, and then and then aligned with with all the other data sources. So yeah.
0: Mm okay yeah that's interesting i was just wondering uh because again i was uh, like this this thought about the 12 markets keeps hitting my head right because i can all oh i can only imagine how, like with all the gdpr stuff and, and i know data governments is a huge issue right and i can imagine like how difficult it is for companies that uh or just have to take care of it in one country right but if you if you're running across different uh different countries that that uh have different legislation and, and all that stuff um Yeah, that that question just keeps popping in my head about (laughs) the intricacy of the 12 different markets, right? But in terms of um, what you've built so far, right? Because in one of our conversations, also, we've discussed a little bit what you have delivered over the years, right? So for for everyone out there, like, your way seems to be working very well. Because if I remember correctly, uh, you you released, what, nine, ten data products? Something like that? right um that's quite a lot some people struggle to reach one uh but yeah i speak to a lot of data people right and head of data and their challenges and stuff and um especially across the last six years it's amazing to see that but what do you attribute your success to what do you th- is it the communication is it i don't know is it the agile working way is it you've just got a great company what, what do you think is is, is uh is the main contributor to your guys' success? Of course, it's the great company. Um, no, I um, think I think it's mindset. And in,
1: in my case, it's it's mm. mindset. It, it's it's mindset. Um, personally, funny funny thing is, um, some some people that that learned their stuff from me or that 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 uh, reported to me over the years already started saying that as well. Like, I personally. Yeah, how should I say? <laughs> how should I say that without sounding stupid? Now, like, um, it's it's my one of my fun questions in every job interview and whatever. It's like, um, tell me about a situation where you failed, and I I I always sit there and like I never fail, and it, it it sounds like if if you say that people people think yeah no okay he's lying that's that that's absolutely wrong, um, but I personally think it's it's a mindset thing. You you cannot fail mm. if you have the right mindset and and if you if you if you even understand learning as a, like or like yeah if as a success basically so if, it's it's not a fail if you learn something from it so like like I said earlier mm. um that chatbot thing that we built two years ago it, it it failed but what I learned from it is I learned what is necessary to build an an AI based chatbot um yeah. It is it, 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 the product is basically there. It it can be used, um, but what what I learned it, it, it what I learned as I, said, I learned what is necessary. I learned what how that thing needs to be trained, which is the biggest challenge. So I, I also learned that, um, whenever I try that again, um, main focus must be on training it, um, and if you don't train it, so if you if you try to roll that out with uh, four people, so four four test users, you will never train it. It just doesn't work, um. Hmm. also learned not to trust the promises of agencies that that sell that stuff to you <laughs> so yeah it's like it's as i said it's it's not it's it's not a real fail in my understanding because what what i hmm. know now is like next time that stuff comes up at and at the moment ChatGPT comes up and everyone's asking for it and we're looking into it definitely um but i know what to look at i know the questions to ask um i know how to deal with that also when 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 mm. the same market brought up that stuff last year and that question last year about Amazon Alexa, I knew what questions to ask. So I knew we had that before. We had the learnings. It's not being used. So probably right. what they're asking for is not the answer to their problem. So we need to get back. We need to understand the problem, um, and then and then solve the problem right. in the right way. Now we we're, we're, we're what we're now building is. The path to that. So we're now building a solution that will probably, or that that can potentially take us there, Um, and and we can in parallel deal with ChatGPT and all that stuff as well. But we're now building the solution. We're trying to do like like just to keep to to build the path there, and and on the way increase their data literacy, increase how they deal with the products, increase the data quality, all that stuff, Um, which is like yeah. And, and 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 seeing all that i i cannot understand or I ca- cannot cannot see what happened two years ago as a real fail
0: fair enough listen i have to say that i absolutely love the mindset uh, right like you you learn from your failings and you just keep moving forward and i guess also like uh, you've got a track record proof for that right you've released a lot of data products uh, in the time and um i guess it, I guess that also allows you then to, to release in the future with more speed, right? The, like the more, you know, different situations that allows you to, like you just said, ask the right questions from the beginning and things like that and, and really create, create a huge business impact. Um, if if I would ask you, like if someone is listening right now, right? And, and obviously there, there's one thing about taking your failures or and turning them into lessons, right? But if someone is listening there and is completely like frustrated, like how does he release so many products in, in, in some so, such a short time that, that really create business impact? Are there any tips or tricks that over your failures over the last few years that you've learned that are like very crucial to your success? Like some key things where you st- say, if you got those right, you're at least on the right path. Right situation, some situation, yeah. different data, different market model, whatever, business model, etc. But some key things that you think, take those with you on your journey and you should be sweet.
1: Um, what I would say is, um, don't first of all, don't think about the product. Think, think about the challenges. So think about the problem you're trying to solve. Yeah. Actually, what problems are out there? Um, one of my learnings over the years also is that problems can change from today to tomorrow. So they can, they, I mean, what is a problem today um, is not necessarily a problem tomorrow. And developing a solution solution for that can take a while. Meaning that if you see a problem coming up today and you start developing a solution that might be released in three, three months or six months, in six months, that might not be the problem anymore. So you need to understand the problem first and deal with that and really think about it. Is that, like is that really the problem? Is that a problem that will still be there when when I'm able to deliver something? Um, yeah, and 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 then build it from there, build the solution from there. Um, because if if you can already foresee that that problem might not be there again, uh, anymore in a month, why 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 start with with something big? Start with something small. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Um, and that's yeah. So that's, that's, that's the one thing. So start, think, think about the problem. So collect, and yeah, think about the problem first. That's one thing. Second thing, collect problems, collect all the problems that you can get to. Um, as as, as a, again, one of, one of things that, that I'm also trying like others to, to, to learn and to understand. It's like, you always need to have a, a bucket full of, of different problems and potential solutions to that Um, because you you do not know when, when, when something comes up. Um, But the more, the more you have collected, the more you have in there, um, the easier can, you can just grab into the the, the bucket and and pull that out. Um, And that sometimes means developing or like not developing, but having, having basically a blueprint for five to six solutions at the same time or, Hmm. Put potential solutions mm. okay. to problems at the same time, and then and then, yeah, just be ready when it comes up, because otherwise you will never you will never be ready when it comes.
0: Mm-mm. Super interesting, actually this this whole uh, planning and advance thing. But now, going one step further, the impact, right? Because <laughs> obviously, like it's great to create those product uh, projects uh, oh, or products, um, but it's always a bit of a thing of. How do you actually measure if, uh, if they are successful? Like, what are your key? Like, do you have different projects where you say, look, the key metric of success is X and on this project, it's Y, or do you have like some common key indicators where you say, look, this has been successful? I don't know, usage, results, money. Um, yeah. Yeah. In the end, it's
1: money. Um, so like, like, whenever someone asks me about how, how do you measure success? It's I start with the, with the very end, which is which is money, because every, everyone's just trying to make money with it. Um, so yes, that that should be it, and then from there you take it backward. So sometimes you cannot measure the money; you can just measure usage, um, and then the truth, like yeah, the real truth is somewhere in between. But yeah, um, I think usage and and user feedback is like the main things that we can moment uh, at the moment really look at. So are the users happy with it? Are they using it? Are they really, really dealing with it? What's the feedback that we're getting, in like yeah in terms of usage? How easy is it for the users? And then and then really work with that. Um, and to really admit that it has it is something that always comes too short. Um, it is something that we're currently trying to increase in.
0: That's why I was thinking, that's why I thought usage might be like a really good indicator. Like, obviously, money is always a good indicator, right? For example, this next best action tool that you build, right? Do you make more sales? Yeah. It's a very easy indicator. Like, we released a product, sales increased by 30%. But I was thinking usage also, like, you know, um, is everyone using it? Because the way I see it, if sales increased by 20, 30, 40, whatever the number is, right? And I understand that only 60% of the team is using it. I know that there is more potential because if sure. I get the rest of the 40% to use it, um, I would hope that the rest <laughs> of the uh, figure goes up as well, right? But you need to be so careful. So that's why I was that. wondering.
1: You, need to, you need, to, need to be really be careful with that because that can also go in a totally different direction. So in the, in the, in the business context, that can also also mean that the, the, the 40% that are not using it um, might be forced to use it um, in the future because everyone Fair thinks... Enough. That might increase, it. but because there might be another that, reason yeah. why they're not using it. I mean, they they might have mm. a good reason for not doing that, and that's something we saw with next next section as well. So, out of twenty sales reps, um, for a while we only had fifteen of them getting suggestions. The other f- other five didn't get anything, um, okay. for a reason, because when we talked to them, they told us, "Well, we, it seems like we're doing a good job," and they did a good job. So they they did all the right. things that 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 the tool could suggest at that time by their own already. So they already did like completed all this stuff before the tool suggested
0: doing that. Right. Own. So you didn't need to tell them to use the product right. because they were performing better even without the product. Right. Right. That's a that's yeah no that's uh, that's a fantastic thought. Like you're absolutely correct. I didn't really think that through no absolutely yeah maybe some people are actually better uh than the rest there's always uh, there's always superstars right no matter what you look at yeah. football basketball sales um there's always a superstar right out there um cool now one thing about the data culture in itself right and getting people to enter to enter the data properly and then think about it a little bit more do you feel that after successfully launching those data products, and over time you, you started having a bit of an easier buy-in from, from from the people or do you still feel like there was still a little bit of resistance or was it getting easier because after a while you showed them you do it, you get great benefits, right? That was your approach, right? Show them the benefits for them. Did you feel over time it got easier or is it still a bit of a resistance? Both. I like that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah
1: usually I regularly see that what's that? Uh, uh, um, cur- that that hype curve of new technologies so or whatever that that is being shared on LinkedIn regularly um like you, usually you, you, they, there's a, there's a new hype there's a new thing and then then the curve goes like steep so it it goes really really high, and then after a while it drops again and then you really have to go through that valley um and over time, it it, it increases again. So, um, <laughs> I I I can really understand that. So like, meanwhile, like after after a few years, I can really understand that because it's that that's what usually happens. So you have you have that hype in the beginning, which is good, and then things change for a ton of different reasons. Um, just like, just to come up with that that next best action example again for like yeah that NextPass Action example. So it started years ago with that small super user group of like very, um, let's say, digital people. Um, It was created, it was built um, over time, um, but the people started changing roles, started evolving in their roles, went to other companies, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then over time, it was handed over to another department, which does make sense because the company changes as well. So you start off with, with digital people, very specific people, but then they evolve into, into marketing people or they evolve into um into other departments. I mean even, even with me, I started off doing email activities at Viv and now now I'm doing the data and analytics activities. Like the whole digital environment. It it, it all changes. So, in, in, in that case, what, what we're seeing at the moment, it's like that tool or the responsibility for that tool, or for managing that tool, is now being handed over to different people, which are not that like techie, not that digital-driven, whatever. So, it ends up with an, it, with another department, um, which means that discussions need to change, um, that um, the understanding is different, that the... the you're dealing with people that have not been involved in developing the interv- interface, for example. So they're not as easy. So if, right. if, if, if an error comes up, for example, um, you're suddenly dealing with people that are shocked seeing that error. And and, and the, the immediate answer is the tool is, is is damaged. The tool is not working, whatever. And you, you're starting to deal with things like that. Well, actually the error is just saying you, you're you not allowed to keep that, to, to leave that field empty. Um, but yeah. Um, it's it's simple things like that um, that have an influence on on like yeah on how tools are accepted. So you have that steep curve. It has been used across every market. Now people change, processes change, um, companies change, understandings change, whatever. Uh, we're now going with that tool. To be honest, through kind of a valley again. And we need to we need to change our our ways of working as well. I mean, now we're we're reworking the interface, for example, because it needs to be easier to understand. Um, something we haven't thought about for quite a while. Um, we're also getting to a point which, I mean, usually happens over over time. We're also getting to a point where business is 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 asking if we are really providing value. Coming back to that tracking piece, um. Is, is it really creating value? Is it really creating money for us? Are people really using it? Um, now we have to change the way how we track things, how we how we deal with like the usage data and and do interpretation of that, and how, how we can visualize that data to really, um, yeah, let's say make the 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 the, 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 the senior stakeholders happy who who give the mm-hmm. money for for the team that's working on it. So, yeah. Challenges change over time as well, so like it's not, it's not really that that you build some, something and then that is just like hype and everyone's using it, everyone's happy with it, whatever. So you need to keep working on that as well. Um, you need to keep evolving. Yeah. You need to think about the user base and everything. So yeah, um,
0: yeah. But I, I guess honestly, it's. It's a bit tying it to to the real world, right? Yeah. Because I think in many situations people don't understand that marketing, sales, whatever—they are your customers, and they should be they should be similarly treated to like if you sell a product. Right? like selling an iPhone, right? You, you sell an iPhone and, and, and the demographics change, people change, and you need to adopt your your products to to make sure they fit the right thing. Like you just were saying, yeah. the interface was too complicated. Now we've got new users for that. We need, to, uh, we need to change it. Otherwise, they're not using it. Then the stakeholders come up. No one's using it. It doesn't create any value. What are we doing here, right? Yeah. We're just spending money. And um, yeah, I think in the product space, um, when I hire for product analysts, that always is, is a big thing. Um, that is always a big thing about the ever-changing things. Like it's not about just under, like doing A-B test and understanding what the customer likes about your product. Do you like the checkout button on the top right, left bottom? bottom but also understanding like that, that maybe your market, or, like your, 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 your buyers change, like the users change um, over time. Certainly, I'm sure that a year or two is probably not gonna do much, but if if you're in the game, like over the last six years, if you've released those products, right? There will be changes to it. Um that is super interesting to hear because I think you captured it quite well, right? You keep going back to you need to listen to the customer, i.e. Like your stakeholders, right? It's a lot of communication, it's really making sure you listen to them, what the product is supposed to do. And yeah, I think it's a great approach. Um Yeah, it's a fantastic approach, actually. Um, Yeah, you need to think about the internal people as customers as well. They change. Um, And that's interesting to hear, right? Because I think a lot of people just get stuck, right? Oh, we've done this product, right? It was a challenge. We released it. Oh, it's amazing. And then they might forget about it. And then all of a sudden, you've got a dashboard or whatever that costs you money in the background. And no one really knows uh, why it's there. Yeah. we always done it this way, right? And then you keep paying for that. And then you actually check the usage and all that stuff. That's why I guess usage comes in again, right? Yeah. Who's using it, Are they still using it, right? Uh, yeah, no, absolutely fantastic. Uh, look, um, coming up it more towards the end, um, as someone who, who really has a great track record releasing that stuff, right? Let's just put it as it is. If If... Well, actually, not just startups. I mean, startups, yes, they build products, but I think also like maybe a small or mid-sized company that that doesn't have uh, the money to hire the best and brightest data people that have done it all before, right? Um, When they start developing uh, a data product, just starting at it, what would you advise, be with all your experience, like where should they start and what are things they really should look out for to, I wouldn't say to... Not fail, because I think that's that's pushing it a little bit, but to minimize failure
1: funny enough um, years years, years ago, oh when did that um they're 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 getting to book recommendations, which is I feel old now, you make me feel old um <laughs> no, but I really, there are some amazing books that everyone should read first, um, it's I forgot that name, so the the, the two guys who founded IDEO, um, you can like, think about IDEO today however you want, but like they have, they they really, they have some really basic things that they put into their books, don't know when when that was written, 40 years ago so, a long, long Mm -hmm. time ago, um which still apply today, um, which is basically just talking to the end user, talking to the people who use it, understand their needs, deal with that. So really start with that. Start Try to understand that and stay close to them and work with them, which is, hmm. it, it's, it still applies. It, it applies to everything. It's not, it's not just, not it, it applies to every product, but data product as well. Because in the end, what, what, what we're trying to do Coming back to what I said in the beginning, like I'm said, I said, I grew up with that in that digital age. So I, I, I like all the time. So throughout all my life, there were always like digital things, computers coming up, new new um, versions of 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 uh, processes coming up, allowing new things, new games, new stuff, new um, opportunities, the Internet coming up, um, having modems first, having 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 um, um ISDN, having, having DSL, having all that stuff over the years, that always changed the way we dealt with the world, with problems, we solved problems, whatever. I mean, we could talk about podcasts as well. Podcasts failed t- more than 10 years ago. Um, I never thought that they would come up again. Now they are. <laughs> now they are the Hugh big type. thing.
0: Mm-hmm. These a huge hype now.
1: Yeah, right. Uh, but as I said, more than 10 years ago, they totally failed. Or think about um, order ordering food, um, 10, 15 years ago, um, it didn't work. Today you have you have vault you have you have all these all these tons of different small companies just living from that, and that is possible because of digital solutions, um, which is amazing over the years. But it's just it's the same underlying problem. So it's 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 just digital ways, dig, data whatever that that just makes it. Okay, if it now sounds strange in the back, um, the dog just woke up and is having fun on, <laughs> on the carpet. So it's not, there's no one having, having um, <laughs> whatever. So it's, it's just a dog, really.
0: I could show you. That is perfectly fine. <laughs> that is perfectly fine. No, like,
1: it's just digital solutions making it easier to solve basic problems for mankind. <laughs> to, to mm. say it like that um and that's and that, but that but that still means the problems are the same you just you're just decide, applying different different yeah. different ways of, of solving that or just, you just have you're just increasing the the ways or the things you you can you can use to solve these problems nothing mm. else and it might be <laughs> easier now um from absolutely the agree
0: Absolutely agree. If, if I look at sales books um, that I look at, like Dale Carnegie, and it's also a book that's been around since forever. I don't remember exactly how long, but at the end of the day, it's it's you. You might change the medium of how you apply his solutions or his suggestions, right? With with like obviously, his was a lot of face to face interactions, right? Which nowadays are a little bit different. But at the end of the day, like it still applies. And I think sometimes it's important to understand that. You don't have to reinvent the wheel, right? You just have to make it run smoother. Um, And you've got so many tools like data and and like email automations. And God knows what you all have for sales, right? CM system, intelligent AI in a CM system that gives you suggestions and all this stuff like a next best action thing um but uh, yeah i agree 100 like the, the issues or, or the common problem is always the same right you just find new ways of solving that better ways of solving that yeah. um and improving that
1: yeah and as you mentioned face to face i mean just you're saying i mean that's something that came up over covid so everyone moved to <laughs> digital solutions for example um now something a, a discussion that we're usually having is what? What about face to face? I mean, we still want to do face to face interactions with our customers, with mm-hmm. our doctors, whatever. Um, do we have to stop that now? Why are you all pushing for digital solutions? It's not that. It's just the purpose of it. Face to face might be different from a purpose for the purpose from from a digital solution. So it's not. It's not fully taking things away. It's not really. It's it just. It's just changing, providing an additional way of doing things, um, making so, sometimes making things easier because. If, yeah, absolutely. When you had to wait for, uh, six months to have a face-to-face interaction in the past, um, you might now have an option, um, to have. A, I was just a virtual about to say that. Just tomorrow,
0: yeah. I was just about to say that rather than me traveling throughout Germany, right, to meet clients, like I can, I could have three, four meetings in one day, yeah, in, in four different cities, right. No, I'm absolutely agreeing. Like I'm still a big fan of face-to-face, right? Uh, but yeah, it's just. Just get a new tool, use it, right? It's it's a benefit. Um, it would be the same if we would shy away from phones, and just do letters again, right? It's it's just the next step, right? And, and still, letters in, in advancing, are nice. Um, letters can be a very
1: nice thing, a nice thing. I mean, yeah, they can. They but they get a totally different meaning by that. I mean, they are just like just like face to face. I mean, face to face gets that more kind of a socializing aspect, something like. where you you really get to know someone you really you build that relationship in a face-to-face situation Mm -hmm, absolutely um and then you take it away and you you do the rest virtually which and then that will be a lot easier so um it's not that the old stuff is is gone um it's just different and i said a letter might be something something might mean a lot more these days than it meant in the past (sighs)
0: Let me try that. Um, Actually, you just gave me an idea. I'm going to try a letter outreach. (laughs) You never know, right? Yeah. Uh, You never know. But anyway, Andre, look, uh, absolute pleasure speaking to you. It was super fun, super engaging. Thank you very much for sharing your thoughts and, and your experience with us. For everyone listening, stay tuned for the next episode.